Your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief keeps you informed about what's happening in Annapolis, Anne Arundel County, and Maryland. Local news, local sports, local events, local opinion, and, of course, local weather. Your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief starts now. Good morning. It's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. This is John Frenet, and this is your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Still having a rough time comprehending that five children have been shot here in Annapolis within the past 10 days. All right, let's get right into this today, shall we? The Annapolis Police Department held a press conference yesterday to address the shooting the other night in Robinwood. What we learned? They do not know if there was one suspect or more than one suspect, but they do know that they came out of the woods on foot and fled into the woods. The injured girl was released from the hospital and the injured boy is still there being treated in stable condition and he apparently is paralyzed. The third victim, who EMS says suffered a graze wound, the police say that she was injured not by gunfire. We learn that the resource centers that the city fought so hard for in the budget last year are not manned, despite Haka wanting them to be manned. We were told that a few hours after the shooting, there were shots fired on Copeland Street in the Bywater community. And again yesterday, just after 1 p.m., midday, shots were fired in Bay Ridge Gardens. The police, the politicians, and the clergy members present all begged for the suspects or suspects to turn themselves in. The same group also said that this type of violence will not be tolerated. Chief Jackson said he would look into bringing federal partners to help solve the case and mentioned that this to him has him very upset because he is trying to build his legacy. All in all, this seemed to be the same press conference that we have heard many times over and over again. I'm going to add it on to the end of the day NB today if you want to listen to the whole thing. It is about 47 minutes long, but if you do care about crime in Annapolis, I do recommend you give it a listen. Yesterday, County Executive Pittman announced the launch of the Land Use Navigator. And no, we are not exploring Mars with this thing. This is a new online tool to fast track the permitting process for land use and building in the county. When it's fully operational, you'll be able to track, update, apply, and pay for permits online. And there's a really great search feature built into this, so you can search any address or, more granularly, just the street, and you'll be able to see who is building what, or, well, who is building what with permits. The new tool is going to launch next Monday, but to get it ready, the permits office is going to be closed to the public for the rest of this week. Not terribly applicable to Anne Arundel County any longer, but the State Board of Education is lifting the masking mandate for schools statewide. This will allow local boards of education to make their own decisions moving forward. Tentatively, it is to take effect on March 1st, but like the initiating of the mandate, to lift it, it does take approval from a legislative committee. Now, that meeting is scheduled for Friday at 2.30 p.m., but I really do think this one's going to be a rubber stamp. Air Canada had suspended service from BWI during COVID, and now they are back. Later this spring, Air Canada is going to resume BWI to Toronto with twice-daily flights. That's going to happen on May 15th. And then BWI to Montreal will be daily flights beginning on June 1st. So if you want to go to the Great White North, that's how you do it from BWI. We are rolling on the local business spotlights, but please keep the suggestions coming. Send them to info at ionanapolis.net or DM me on Twitter. There's no cost at all to the businesses, and the episodes will be seen by 14,000 subscribers of the DNB, sent to our 50,000 on Twitter, and the 130 or so thousand that follow us on Facebook, as well as the 180 to 200,000 that read ionanapolis.net each month. Up Saturday, CYSO, and if you don't know what that is, that is the Chesapeake Youth Symphony Orchestra, and I recorded a fascinating one yesterday with Senator John Astle, who has a new book about his time in Vietnam. When I get done editing all this, this is going to be a must-listen when it comes out. Okay, that's it for the news, but first a quick thank you to our sponsors for today's daily news brief, Solar Energy Services, the Christy Neidhart team of Northrop Realty, a long-end foster company, Alpha Engineering, and Rehab to Perform. Okay, so now hang tight. George Young from DCMDVA Weather is standing by with your locally forecast weather report. And because it is Wednesday, we have Bridget, a.k.a. Beeper Buzz, with all of your music news in Annapolis After Dark. All of that in just a bit. Oh, 
And remember, if you want to listen to that presser, I tanked it on at the very end. Another moving moment from Christy Neidhart of the Christy Neidhart team from Northrop Realty, a long and foster company. One of the most common questions we get, how do I maximize the value of my home before I sell it? It's a great question. We look at improvements like investments. What is the rate of return? For example, if we invest $5,000 in painting kitchen cabinets and installing granite, how much more will our home sell for? The answer, about $25,000 more. That's a 500% return on investment. Because of returns like this, we have started a program called Investing in You. We know cash is often tight when you're making a move, and we are here to help. We will front you up to $15,000 to invest in refreshing your home before you list it, with the agreement to be paid back once your home settles. Call us today at 410-599-1370 so we can help you maximize your home's value. That's another moving moment from Christy Neidhart. To get in touch, call 410-295-6579 or visit kn-team.com. That's kn-team.com. When you live near Annapolis, you know how fickle the weather can be. So you need a truly local forecast that's accurate and reliable. Forecast right here in Annapolis. DCMDVA weather is not just for today, but for the rest of the week and the weekend, too. Now, here's George Young of DCMDVA weather with the weather outlook for today and beyond. Hey, everyone, this is George with DCMDVA Weather, and this is your Eye on Annapolis forecast for Wednesday, February 23rd. Yesterday was a bit wet, but at least warm across the Annapolis region, and today will be even warmer before much colder temps tomorrow, with additional precip Thursday into Friday morning. Look for highs today in the 65 to 70 plus degree range, with a small chance of some additional showers, ahead of temps only near 40 degrees tomorrow for highs, with rain likely and possibly some sleet and or a few snowflakes mixing in at times, but before more a.m. rain Friday with highs in the 50 to 55 degree range, with sunshine then returning for the weekend, with temps near 40 for p.m. highs on Saturday, and mid to maybe upper 40s for highs on Sunday. Okay, that's it for today. This is George Ong of DC MDVA Weather. Make it a great day out there today. Stay healthy and be safe. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for regular updates each day, as well as through our website at dcmdvaweather.info. And definitely download our DC MDVA Weather app on all of your devices from either the Apple or Google App Stores, so you can always stay weather-informed. The benefits of a good night's sleep are well-documented. Sleeping well prevents weight gain, improves concentration and creativity, and boosts the immune system. So, what keeps you up at night? If you run a business, then the security of your computer network may be one of those things. Threats like ransomware and phishing are becoming increasingly sophisticated and pose a real risk to any business. Don't let these cyber threats keep you up at night. At Alpha, they've been helping their customers sleep better for over 30 years by monitoring in real time and hardening network defenses. And for those irritating IT issues that arise every day, Alpha's just a phone call away. Helping your business run smoothly and helping you sleep better knowing Alpha is on guard. Give Alpha a call to see if they can ease your worries and help you get the rest you deserve. Find them at alphagetsit.com. The music scene in Anne Arundel County is popping, and sometimes it's hard to sort through it all. From blues to pop, from funk to ska, Beeper Buzz has it all covered for you in this week's Annapolis After Dark. Good morning, Annapolis, and welcome to Annapolis After Dark. It's the last weekend for music in February, and we even have a Mardi Gras party this weekend. So stay tuned for more info on that. Here are my music highlights for Wednesday, February 23rd through Sunday, February 27th. Go to the socials, Annapolis Streaming and Bieber Buzz, and both websites for the full schedule and all the updates as they happen. AnnapolisStreaming.com and BieberBuzz.com. Live music for Wednesday, tonight. Get to the point for Aaron Hawkins of Loose Ties. Ben Heemstraw will be at Eastport Democratic Club, known as the EDC in the MRE. They had music last night for 2 2 2 2 2. So I hope you are a member, know a member, and are vaxxed so you can attend their great events. Daphne Ekman will be at Reynolds Tavern. The Moran Trip Band will be at Dark Horse Annapolis. Peter James will be down at Pirates Cove in Galesville. Tomorrow, Thursday, one of my personal favorites, Sean Sattel, will be at Brian Brew. Just down the road, Tro Tribe will be at Mothers and Arnold. 
Charles Cavusi is back at Reynolds Tavern. Kick off the weekend music at Happy Hour with Dana B. at Blackwell Hitch. Alexander Peters will be at Reynolds Tavern. Hurricane Kevin and crew will be at Stan and Joe's on West Street. Stefan here will be at Killarney House in Davidsonville. Ray Roten will be up at Mother's in Arnold. Chris Button will be at River Bay Roadhouse. Friday night is packed with some really big shows. We have Ono, One Night Only Band at Blackwall Hitch, and Jarflies at Metropolitan. Yes, Jimmy Davies, Brian Ewald, and the boys are back. So this is another show you're going to want to catch. At Club 164, which is the dry club by Annapolis Mall, open mic night with a special performance by the Sober Poet. Saturday Night Music, Ben Heemstra will be at Crooked Crab in Odenton. Michael Kay of Pretty Big Deal will be at Brian Baru. Nikki Stacy will be at Killarney House. Fess Up will be rockin' Ramshead Roadhouse. And Scribe will be at 49 West. Mike Sharp will be at Blackwall Hitch, and you may remember him from his weekly streams that were shared on our Annapolis streaming page throughout the first year of the pandemic. We don't get to see him very often here in Annapolis, so this will be a treat. Catch Andrew Bell of Brave Noise at Smashing Grapes in Annapolis. He has been playing Annapolis for years, so make sure to check him out as well. And both weekend nights with DJ Draco at O'Brien's, who will also be streaming live on his Twitch account. Also on Saturday night, Vertigo Red will be rocking Twain's Tavern, which used to be Bamboo Bernie's. You may remember me posting their music from the Polar Plunge in previous years. They rock it. And another one of my favorites, Chris Sachs Band, will be at the Hideaway in Odenton. And the Mardi Gras Party, Saturday night at Mother's. The Grilled Lincolns are playing, so you'll definitely want to check that out. Sunday Fun Day, start with brunch at Ramshead Tavern with Jazz by Oreo, and then you can also end the night there too with Scribe. If you've been following me for all these years, then you recall my posts every Sunday night on Naptown Music and then also on Beeper Buzz, where I used to call this show Sunday Nightcaps with Scribe at Ramshead Tavern. You can also have brunch on Sunday at Gina's Cantina with PJ and Neil. And if you missed Ben Heemstraw at any of his shows this weekend mentioned, you'll have another chance to catch him Sunday at Brian Baru. Remember, these are just the highlights. Find the full schedule of music for Annapolis and the surrounding areas on the Annapolis Streaming Facebook event and on the websites AnnapolisStreaming.com and BeeperBuzz.com, spelled B-E-E-P-R-B-U-Z-Z. Music is back, and a great way to support our local musicians and our local restaurants. See you out there. Hello, energy consumers. This is Rick Peters, president of Solar Energy Services. A lot of people ask me, what will it cost me to go solar? But the bigger question you should be asking is, what will it cost me not to go solar? That's right. The status quo is costing you money. The average size system we're installing today delivers a net savings of over $41,000 over the 25-year warrantied lifespan of the solar panels. That's $41,000 you might be leaving on the table by not going solar. Of course, solar is not right for every home, but the vast majority of homes can offset 50 to 100% of their current electricity usage with solar. Now that's substantial. Want to find out if you could be leaving $41,000 or more on the table? Call us today at 410 410- 923-6090 or visit us at solarsaves.net. But don't wait another minute. Sunshine's a wasted. You've been listening to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief. Tell your friends and colleagues, this is the podcast where you can keep up on the latest with what's going on in Annapolis and Anne Arundel County. And don't forget about our website, ionannapolis.net, where you can find even more information. And make sure you follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. This Daily News Brief podcast comes to you every Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. I'm Captain Amy Megath with the Annapolis Police Department. And this is being live streamed on the Annapolis Police Department Facebook page. We're going to have several speakers and then have questions at the end. When we take questions, you'll just need to come up to the center table to ask them so that they're all on mic. I'm going to give a brief overview of what happened yesterday. On February 21st at 7 p.m., officers responded to the 1300 block of Tyler Avenue in the Robinwood community for a report of a shooting. 
Multiple callers reported two juveniles were struck by gunfire. Officers arrived on scene and located two juveniles suffering from gunshot wounds. The two victims, a 15-year-old male and an 11-year-old female, were transported to area hospitals by medevac. Currently, the female victim has been released from the hospital, and the male victim remains hospitalized in stable condition. A third juvenile, a 15-year-old female, was injured while running from the area. She was treated at an area hospital and released. Preliminary investigation indicates that the suspect or suspects entered the community on foot from a wooded area. They fired several shots and struck the victims who were playing in the area. The suspect or suspects left the community in the same manner they entered. A home was also struck by a bullet and no one inside the home was injured. Later the same evening at 10.05 p.m., officers responded to the 1900 block of Copeland Street in the Bywater Mutual Homes community for reports of shots being fired. Multiple callers reported hearing shots and officers arrived on scene and located multiple shell casings but no victims or suspects were located. One parked vehicle and two homes were struck by bullets. No one was injured. And at this time, we don't know if the shooting in Robinwood and the shots fired in Bywater Mutual Homes are related. Our detectives are actively investigating these incidents, and we urge anyone with information about them to contact our detectives at 410-260-3439. Even earlier today at 1.02 p.m., we had additional shots fired heard in the Bay Ridge Gardens community. Uh, obviously, this just happened, and we're also investigating that incident. We don't have any further information on that besides that no victims or suspects have been located. Our police chief, Chief Edward Jackson, is going to speak, and then the mayor, Gavin Buckley, and uh, there will be subsequent speakers after that. Chief? Good afternoon. Um, I stand here today um, very frustrated, to be quite frankly. Quite, quite frankly. Um, when I came to Annapolis, um, when Mayor Buckley sworn me in on July 31st, 2019, um, I said before the council that confirmed me that I would bring a community policing model to the city of Annapolis to address the social problems. It's always been my argument academically and practically that you can, can't have the type of dynamics that occur in far too many of our communities and not address them adequately. In other words, why wouldn't you have some of the incidents that we've experienced when you have mental illness, drug addiction, alcohol dependency, broken families, abject poverty, and rage operating in far too many of our communities and expect there to be peace and law-abiding citizens? What's troubling to me and what my charge is and the stress that I feel, Annapolis yeah, it's only 7.1 square miles and only has 40,000 residents. It's a very important city. It's off the Severn, which is a very important port city. We have so many assets here that are important to the region, not just the city of Annapolis and Anne Arundel County at large, but to the region. We have the United States Naval Academy. We have St. John's College. We have our state legislature. And so if we don't get a handle on this and take a community approach to these problems, then what does that say and what kind of hope does the rest of the state have when its own capital city can engage in very, very good and effective crime control models? I have standing behind me the clergy. It's always been argued that there's six most important institutions of social control, six very important, I should say, I'm sorry, institutions of social control. And what I mean by social control are those institutions charged with getting individuals to subscribe to the dominant values of society, the kind of citizens that we will want so we can live in a peaceful and thriving environment. The first three are the institution of family. 
The second one is reinforced by our educational system, K through 12, all the way through college. And the third is our faith-based institutions. And I think everybody in this room knows what all three of those institutions teach. We want those to be effective so that the other three doesn't have to be predominant in the community, and that's police, courts, and corrections. So what am I saying? When family, faith, and education fail, you're going to have police, courts, and corrections. It's not a police problem. It's a social problem. Make no mistake about it. We take our charge very serious. I'm proud and honored to lead a department that has some of the most accomplished men and women you'll find anywhere. I don't care how big the department is. You name it. Chicago, L.A. You'll find right here in the city of Annapolis some of the most accomplished investigators. But we can't do it all. We need community to get more involved. If you see something, say something. It's no way in hell, in hell, that we should be comfortable with 11-year-old and 15-year-olds being shot anywhere, not just the city of Annapolis, anywhere. And so we have to make up in our mind that we're going to do what we need to do, not only locally, but regionally. This is Black History Month. Dr. King said, a threat, injustice anywhere, is a threat the justice everywhere. So what happens to, in Baltimore City, what happens in Glen Burnie, what happens anywhere can come here to Annapolis. We're not immune to it. And so my charge today is that I'm working for my legacy. I realize that at my age, I'm not saying I'm an old man, but I have more years behind me than I do in front of me. If I equal my age now, I'd be 130 years old if I'm only halfway through my life. So I'm working for my legacy. I want the citizens of Annapolis to know that they have a good police department, which we do, and a police department that's truly committed to community policing. And I'll close by saying it doesn't mean that we're being soft on crime. I detest, and I'm sorry, Mr. Mayor, this is strong language, but I detest. I hate trigger pullers. I think... They're cowards in the sense that they can't face their own issues, don't have the courage to ask for help. I think that it's an oxymoron. Where's my deputy chief stand? We talk about that all the time. I think that they're brave, that it takes a brazen person to pull the trigger. But we need to call on the faith-based institutions. We need to call on our schools. It's everybody's problem. Bad things happen when good people do nothing. And so, this is a clarion call. I'm not a preacher. I'm a very proud police chief that wants the best for the city that gave me this wonderful opportunity to lead a department and serve it. So hopefully today, we can make the commitment to work together collaboratively and in a very meaningful way, without regard to egos, to make sure that we don't have 11-year-olds who haven't even begun to live yet they get shot and get comfortable with 14-year-olds and 11-year-olds and 6-year-olds. And I'm not just talking about the city of Annapolis. I'm just talking about throughout the region. So we got to make sure that when these kind of events happen, we all have to have this righteous indignation to say it won't be tolerated. Thank you. I'd like to introduce or bring Mayor Gavin Buckley up to the podium. Um, I want to thank everybody for being here. Um, today, this is um, this is a community that cares. Uh, this is a community that's in shock. Um, last night, somebody's 15-year-old son was paralyzed from a gunshot. Somebody's daughter is traumatized and was lucky to survive. We are asking people who know anything about this to come forward. If you know anyone that has a gun, or anyone that knows people that bring people into this community with guns, if you know where a gun is hidden, tell us. We need to know, we need to get these guns out of the community. These people who indiscriminately come into our neighborhoods and fire wherever, they don't care about this community. 
They don't care about the city of Annapolis. They don't care about even the communities that they live in. They put their own brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers in harm's way, and they're reckless, and they don't deserve to be in these communities. You have to help us find the sorts of people that would do these things. We're taking a social approach to crime, but we can't tolerate this kind of violence. Um, I want to thank a lot of the people here, back here, who haven't slept, who've been up all night investigating this crime. We will find out who's done this. It's not going to make it any better for the young man who's, who's paralyzed. But we are bringing people to justice. They have to realize that this is not going to be tolerated in the city of Annapolis. We will find you. So thank you for being here. I'd like to welcome Bishop Coates, Reverend Colbert, and Pastor Menendez up to speak. It is our custom normally when we stand to greet people, we either greeting good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on the time of day. Unfortunately, we don't have that greeting today because it hasn't been a good morning hasn't been a good afternoon, and certainly last night was not a good evening, simply because two families' lives are changed forever. Two children's lives are changed forever. And as a result, they, along with every child in our community, have been left traumatized and have been, unfortunately, victims of a war that children should not have to fight. It is a war against our peace and safety in our communities. And the weapons of our enemy are not just guns. It's the ability to instill fear so that we don't fight back. How do we fight back? Certainly not with guns, but with a voice. Having the ability to speak when we know something, to say something. You know, community is the key, and this is what we have been talking about, community, a place where people live with commonalities. I think we can all agree that it is our common interest to be safe. It is our common interest that our children have places where they can play and be safe. But we also have a common enemy, which are those who insist upon dominating our communities and placing our people into a, a state of fear and paralyzing us. But here is still yet the good news in the midst of all of this. We still yet have the ability to come together and to rid our communities of this harm. And it's simply by doing this, understanding that one of the goals of community is that we agree that your child is also my child. You see, perhaps some of you are watching and saying, it wasn't my child. But listen, tomorrow has not gotten here yet. Tomorrow, it might be your child. You see, because this is how fear works. If fear can be instilled, then devastation can become permanent. Which means someone's child today, your child tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, we still have yet the ability to fight back. And that is simply to refuse to allow our voices to be silenced. If you know something, you must speak. Why? Because that child, those children whose lives have been changed, the irreparable damage, irreversible damage, it is also your child. It could be your child. And so today we're making this plea. We're calling on faith-based believers, all of our pastors and communities of faith, to rally around our communities that are hurting. And let's help restore that confidence to these communities. Confidence that they are not in this alone. And that we are all in this together. You don't have to live on my street to know my pain. But I believe it's imperative to know. Anyone listening right now that has a heart for children should know at this moment, this means war. It is time for us to use our voices and restore 
confidence, hope, and peace to our communities. There will be some coordinated efforts on behalf of pastors in the community. I have pastors that are standing with us right now that serve in this community. So those who are in the faith-based community, we will be reaching out to you. And we want you to reach back because it's going to take all of us to rid our communities of this illness. Thank you. Reverend Jerry Colbert, pastor of John Wesley United Methodist Church, Bay Ridge Avenue, and our chaplain for the Annapolis Police Department. And chief, it is a pleasure serving under you. Echoing what Apostle Coates said, my plea is to the faith-based community. It's time for us to put down our pride and for us to come together for the good of the neighborhood. My other request here is to the city council, the county council, and legislative. We need grants. The only income that we have is from our parishioners. And most of them are on a fixed income. So we need grants in order to pull together and initiate and build and rebuild our communities, starting with the parents and the children, and so that we can come together in a conclusive effort and to put down the guns. And I can't believe, as I'm standing here, that nobody ever sees anything. Somebody sees something. So my plea to you is to work with us as we try to rebuild the neighborhoods of Annapolis. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm Pastor Cheryl Menendez from Light of the World Family Ministries um, and also... We actually house the H2O for Life Adolescent Recovery Clubhouse in the city of Annapolis in Robinwood. That we've been there for eight years. We were the first through the health department, Anne County Department of Health, to help us there. And we also have one in Brooklyn Park. Let me just say, I when I got the message yesterday, when I got a call from Robinwood from parents and families there, I lost it. I could not believe what I was actually hearing because. We're actually in Robinwood uh, every week. We have three to four days a week that we're there in the clubhouse, thanks to Housing Authority, who allow us to have an actual facility there that we house young people ages 12 to 17. I'm hurt, as many of you are, but I have, and I thank you, Chief. You said some wonderful things that really uh, helped to frame what I need to say right now. About nine years ago, we did a stop the violence in the city of Annapolis, and it came as a result of a young man who was murdered in Robinwood. We actually met at uh, one of the, the school, well, actually, it was the actual church that is on West Street, and we actually met there. And at the funeral, there were about 800 young people that were there. Pastor Coates was there. I can't remember if you were there. Oh, you might have been there. And we challenge the audience of young people, if you're tired of this, how do we work together? How do we see that it stopped? And I challenged them to meet me in Robinwood, and they did. They came, the schools got involved over a three to four month period. Uh, Mayor, we actually met at City Hall and explained to them what we were planning on doing, what we wanted to do. Actually, it took us about four months, four to five months to plan but every church that we worked with in the city of Annapolis agreed to adopt a community. I have been working in Robinwood and adopted that community some years ago prior to my husband's death. And let me say, there were churches that adopted communities. They worked in those communities. And sometimes life happens. And I don't know what all happened. Sometimes we see something that's maybe going well, and then all of a sudden, it's just over with. We stayed there. We, not that it's us that did anything. It's that I have a passion, and as many of you do, for our children and what goes on. 
I want you to know uh, the actual crime rate, the same pleas that were made. Someone called in as a result of that and reported who it was that had committed the murder. And let me share with you a lot of times, because Annapolis is so close-knit as far as family is concerned, a lot of people are related, and one of the biggest things is this fear. But let me share with you in my closing remarks is this. We have got to understand that there is something that is going through with Dr. Valente and Kaiser Permanente right now that is called, and it's been going on for a long time, called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Uh, I have just been trained through the state of Maryland and some of the others to be ACE trainers. What that shares is that the fact that we have young people who through epigenetics may have some things going on inside of them, but also as a result of environment adaptation, that what we're finding out is those young people's perceptions become their reality. Let's not take this very lightly. This is not a black issue. It is not a white issue because the ACES test shows at least 87% of everyone has at least one or more ACES. How do those ACES affect you? It affects you in the fact of what's going on in your home. Uh, is there a divorce that's taking place? Is there drugs that is taking place? That's happening everywhere. What's going on as far as other things are concerned? Uh, are children being abused? Are they being sexually abused, emotionally abused? There are things that are happening that we're not talking about today. And I stay in trouble because I'm willing to talk about it. Because what we have to do is not just say what the problem is, but what are we willing to do to help our communities? I have no fear with walking Robin Wood. I work in all the communities, by what, whatever it is, over Eastport Terrace, work with the police department. You all have been wonderful, absolutely wonderful, helping me all through these two years uh, as we've been doing giving away food and all the things that have taken place. So let me just share with you, just for this one moment, is that it's no sense in us talking about it, is after this is over, we're not going to do anything. Faith-based community. I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Jewish, Jehovah Witness, Nation of Islam, it does not matter. We have got to work together. We've got to work together. Come to the table, whether you, you're a woman, whether you're a male. I don't care. It's time for, is anybody sick of this? Is anybody really tired? But are we tired enough to do something about it? And let's work together except just talk. That after the lights are gone, after the cameras are gone, after the news media is gone, what are we going to do after that? And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Alderwoman uh, Rhonda Pendle Jones, she's the chair of the, sorry, Rhonda Pendle Charles, she's the chair of the Public Safety Committee for the city. She'll speak next. Thank you. And I'm going to take a page out of uh, Pastor Cheryl Menendez's book. I've been a lifelong resident of Annapolis. My family's had a presence here since the Civil War. And what she said is correct. Many of us are related in this city. And oftentimes, or too often than not, or maybe not often enough, we are reluctant about turning in, for lack of a better term, relatives, schoolmates, friends, people we've known all our lives, family members who have committed or engaged in some sort of violence. But I implore you, I beg you, all of you out there and here, if you know of someone who is engaging in this behavior, please, please call the authorities or call the pastors they are here to help us as well. As Pastor Cheryl said, it doesn't matter what denomination you are. If you need an intermediary to carry that message of who is perpetrating these crimes in our community, please find the intermediary that fits you. I just retired from Anne Arundel County Public Schools. I'm not an educator. But yes, our children, when this happens... To our children, I'm not disparaging when it happens to adults, but children, children are suffering. Like Pastor Cheryl said, the ACEs, everyone has at least one. 
But we need to recognize that we must do something because doing nothing will continue all of this. And so I ask you, I beg of you, anybody in the sound of my voice and not carry the message. We need to do and fix this problem. Find someone who will be your intermediary to help us with this. It is our community, our neighborhood. Let's help ourselves. Thank you. Uh, I now invite Melissa Maddox-Evans, the Executive Director of the Housing Authority of the City of Annapolis, to speak. This is a very difficult day for us at the Housing Authority. Uh, it's very difficult. Uh, we have been in contact with the families and uh, are speaking with them about what their needs are and how we can help them at this time, and we wanted to, to share that. Um, what is difficult about this uh, situation is not only the uh, lifetime impacts uh, that these incidents will have on the children and the families involved, but what is particularly troubling is that there are persons that come into our communities and they believe that this time type of violent activity is acceptable and that they continue to act in this manner without regard for the families that live there. And this one incident that happened yesterday would be horrific on its own. It is particularly troubling that it is not the first time that this has happened in our communities. So I just wanted to state that our communities are not places where violent activity is welcome. Our families have been a vital part of our communities. They are proud of where they live, and they seek to protect their families and their way of life. And we at the Housing Authority also seek the same for them. It is not right to have to live somewhere in fear that your child can't play outside for fear of being shot at or that you can't sit in a bedroom or a living room and not fear a random bullet coming through your house. No fault of your own and you're not even involved in the situation. So I do ask that those that have information regarding this incident, and someone definitely does have information, that they come forward and they provide us the information that we need to make sure that the perpetrators are captured and also to make sure if there's even anyone affiliated with this incident that might have relation to the housing authority that we know so we can address that situation as well. The housing authority has made available uh, two units at both Robinwood and Harbor House for the Annapolis Police Department to utilize 24-7 uh, if, if they need to, to be able to provide public safety uh, assistance to our citizens. And I just wanted to say that our residents, the people that actually live there, welcome that. They welcome increased police presence. They welcome the opportunity to feel safe in their community. And we want to encourage more presence in our community, uh, not just particularly after an incident happens, but constantly, so that residents can feel that there's someone they can go to if they do have information uh, to present. Uh, my hope, and I am going to be very honest with you, my fear is that uh, this will not be the last incident uh, that we deal with, 
because of the pro proliferation of guns in this community and in the unfortunate uh, uh, issue of people utilizing those guns to settle personal uh, disputes. Uh, but in the meantime, until we can do something about that, I just hope that the persons that have information about this incident come forward and do what's right uh, so that these incidents don't keep happening over and over again. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next is uh, Lisa Rodbian. She's the councilwoman for Anne Arundel County for this area. Thank you. I'll be really brief. Um, again, my name is Lisa Rodvian. I'm the county councilwoman for District 6 in Anne Arundel County, but District 6 includes the city of Annapolis. So these young people were my constituents. Um, I just want to first start with a message to the perpetrator of this crime. Um, you are lucky that the young people survived. Um, do the right thing now and turn yourself in. Because I know this police department and they will find you. Make it easier on yourself. Bring yourself forward. Bring yourself to Taylor Avenue, to this station. To parents and families and anyone who spends their time with young people, um, in my day job, I'm a public school teacher, and our kids are struggling, already struggling. They have been reeling because of this pandemic. So much uncertainty, so many changes. This is the last thing they need. Find out how they feel about it. Talk to your kids because that's how we break the cycle for the future generations is to make sure that young people that have experienced this kind of violence have the opportunity to heal. And there is definitely healing that needs to occur. Finally, we have to be looking out for people of all ages because I don't know what the, I don't know if we know the age of the perpetrator or if it's maybe it's not public yet. But we need to make sure that, there, that people have the resources to take care of themselves and that someone is asking them how they are doing before they pick up a gun. Someone to talk some sense into them before they go out and harm the community. So to the perpetrator, turn yourself in. To families with young people, listen to them. Ask them how they are doing. And to all of us, reach out, check in on your friends, especially those that might be struggling with all of the things that we struggle with in life. Thank you. Thank you. And also um, speaking is Joshua Hatch, who's on the Public Safety Committee for the Caucus of African American Leaders. Thank you. <clears throat> My name is Joshua Hatch. And um, I'm going to be really brief. My question for Annapolitans is this. When is enough going to be enough? Where is that line that you're going to draw in the sand to say when you cross this line, this is the response that you're going to actually receive? If you don't have a child, I'm sure that you have a nephew or a niece. You have a sister or a brother. You have a young person in your family. And they deserve to be safe. They deserve to be able to go outside and play. There's a street code, you know, stop snitching. No one come forward. Don't say anything to the police. But what happened to the code where we don't harm women and children? What happened to the code where we say that children are off limits and we're going to make sure that there are safe environments to ensure that while they're outside playing, they're going to remain safe. And anybody who violates that, that person then will be subject to the ridicule or the community. These officers, delegates, uh, representatives, they're here today to talk to you about their concerns about children being shot. What value are we placing on human life today? If we really care about our communities, we would make sure that those communities that we live in are safe. Fathers, mothers, 
men, it's time to step up. We need to stop passing the buck off on the police department. Stop passing the buck off on the church and start standing up and saying enough is enough. If you don't want to talk to the police, I get it. There are other avenues, legal avenues to take in order to redress these occurrences. So our children, I got to home back in on that. So our children can be safe. Where are you going to draw the line at? I just want to make sure everyone knows that they can submit anonymous tips to us through Metro Crime Stoppers of Maryland. This is a completely separate organization from our police department. We never receive any identifying information about the person making the tip. You can make a tip by calling 1-866-7-LOCKUP. That's 1-866-756-2587. You can also visit their website at metrocrimestoppers.org. If you don't feel comfortable reaching out to somebody, that's another option. Thank you. And we will take questions if anyone has any. Again, I will remind you, you need to come up to the middle, uh, and Ms. Norris will help. You touched briefly on this last night, but you still believe this was a, a random shooting and that these children were not the targets? We are still investigating, but all indications are at this point that uh, the, the shooter or shooters were shooting at someone else, uh, but we just don't have enough information right now uh, about what, what the circumstances are. We do believe the children were just in the area playing and were struck not intentionally. And we spoke with uh, some people in the neighborhood. Is there any affiliation that this could be gang-related? We don't have any indication at this time. Our neighborhoods have loose affiliations, uh, neighborhood groups, but there's no indication that that is in play in this situation. Hi, I'm Kate Amara from Channel 11. Amy, I have a, I had kind of the same question because I've, the mayor called it indiscriminate gunfire, which kind of means like, no, it was aimless or haphazard. Um, but you you haven't said yet if you know if there two people entered from the like did two people come out of the woods and shoot at each other? Did, or, um, we believe the shots came from one location, and like I said, suspect or suspects. I don't have a number to give on on who the suspects are, uh, but the indication is they were the only ones shooting, and they shot towards the area where the children were playing. It was not just the two children. It was, it was a nice night. It was just around 7 o'clock, and there were um, a lot of people outside. And um, I'm, um, I'm wondering if this call for the suspects or suspects to turn themselves in and for the community to help out, does that mean that you don't have leads or you're looking for leads? Did you find witnesses today? We are always looking for more information. Our detectives have been working on this and gathering a lot of good information. I don't have that to give out right now. Um, but, you know, never are we going to turn someone away with information. I know there's a lot of rumors going around, and we're, and we're not sure... Um, what credence to lend them, but it's giving us a lot of Im information for our investigation. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, Christina Mendez with WJZ. There's a lot of cameras posted on some of the light poles around the community. Have you guys been able to pull any security footage from any of those cameras? That's a, you know, part of our investigation. We definitely look at that, not only the cameras in the community, but in surrounding businesses, surrounding communities, uh, all those things come together. We don't have anything uh, specific right now, but we do use that information in our investigations. Hi, Kathy. Jeff Hager with Channel 2. I'll make it quick. 
Um, we spoke to somebody who thought the 15-year-old girl who was running away that was injured might be a third shooting victim. Was she grazed in the arm? There's no indication that her injuries are from a bullet. Okay, thank you. And is there a heightened, as if there was a need for one, a heightened sense of alert, and that the same person who shot and hit the children and missing his target, we know what he's capable of, that he's still out there, still armed, and we have no idea who he is? Well, of course, you know, we've had this shooting last night at 7. We had a shots fired call last evening in another neighborhood and currently are investigating another shots fired call in a different neighborhood. So, you know, we are looking for whatever information people have about people carrying guns in neighborhoods so that we can stop this before it continues. And that's what I had one quick thing. And also, after this uh, meeting, I'm going to personally get in touch with our federal partners, the FBI and uh, our federal partners, to see if they can offer any assistance that may aid uh, Captain Miguez and her detectives in this investigation. Brooks of the Capitol, uh, four very quick questions. One, could you just confirm the ages? Is it 11 and 14, 11 and 15? It's 11-year-old female and 15-year-old male, and then there's a 15-year-old female who was injured, but like I said, it's not uh, any indication it was uh, a bullet injury. Thank you. Um, have ballistics brought back anything about type of weapon or weapons? We don't have any information at this time. Um, then lastly, uh, the, there's been talk about uh, the county PD helping out with this investigation. What's the nature like, of their assistance? So the Anne Arundel County Police have concurrent jurisdiction inside the city of Annapolis. We uh, are the primary law enforcement agency. But in situations like this, we uh, will use any uh, resource that we can. We had um, the Capitol Police assisted with their um, canine unit last night, and also the county police helped. Um, when we have situations like this, we had to close down the main road into the community so that we could recover evidence. Um, so they're... they're um, Participation has been in support of and also sharing information between uh, between us about just what is happening in both the county and the city. Thanks. And then lastly, um, Director Maddox, I was mentioned about the uh, uh, Robin Wood Police Association. Were those associations staffed with police last night? And if they weren't, are there plans to staff up with cops moving forward? Yeah, they are um, community resource centers, and we do have officers there uh, not staffed permanently 24 hours a day. There were no officers there in the resource center at the time of the, the shooting last night. Other plans to establish more often? Um, probably the same amount. We'd rather officers are on foot in the community talking to people at this point. Um, but we do, you know, if we can, um, you know, that would be more for the chief to answer as far as uh, Yeah, I, um, yes, um, me and uh, my command staff and myself are always trying to find more innovative, creative ways to utilize those two properties that uh, Executive Director um, Melissa Maddox Evans spoke about. Um, you know, uh, there are many challenges, um, but we're going to work real hard to overcome those, those challenges. I'll just uh, say that. But make no mistake about it, we can utilize those, uh, I believe, um, we can utilize those two properties more effectively. What that looks like in full transparency, we're still trying to come up with very creative ways to make those work more effectively. Nelson Jones with Channel 5. I'm going to also piggyback on what the chief said, but add a, another layer to this. As the chair of the um, Public Safety Committee, Standing Committee for the Council, of course we're in our budget season. And this um, staffing uh, of these resource centers also could uh, be helped by additional um, staffing and bringing out police staffing up to um, the numbers that we should have. And so we're looking for any support um, from residents, from organizations, from entities to say that we definitely need uh, an enhanced budget uh, to combat or to, to help with our situation, our public safety situation in our city. So that's kind of a, a, a plea I'll put out to everyone out there. 
It's certainly, um, we're always looking for enhancements for our police department. And I think at this point, as Bish, as uh, Reverend Jerry Colbert mentioned, grants or anything that we can do to um, help with this uh, situation and these situations. Thank you. Nelson Jones with Channel 5. Um, if you make an arrest in this case and uh, the perpetrator turns out to be a juvenile, is there a plan or procedure uh, to arrest the parents? I, I'll let my captain answer that in part, but, you know, a large part of that would be up to the prosecution, um, uh, the state's attorney. Um, they're not here today, but uh, they could better answer that. That would be how they're charged would be solely up to the state's attorney for Anaheim County. Um, Stan Bramford, Deputy Chief. And, of course, if the circumstances are that an adult inside of a home allow access to a weapon, to a juvenile, course we'd be looking at to charge that individual um, everyone has a responsibility if they have a legal weapon I have no um, reason to believe that these weapons um, that we're seeing are legal weapons uh, but if we find in circumstances where uh, parents or adults have left weapons out accessible to children most certainly we will seek to charge them Thank you, everybody.